Welcome to Soul Chat, the conversation with your soul. I am your host, Ebony Titora from Queens Recognize Queens. It is my passion and my purpose to express not only my fullest potential, but to give you some powerful tools that allow you to step into the queen that you are. With Sunday Soul Chat, I look forward to weekly taking you on a journey of deeper thought and conversation by bringing you thought-provoking conversations that require you to look a little deeper than the surface. I will bring you powerful people who can share powerful tools to assist you in unleashing your fullest potential as queen. Hey, you guys, I am so honored to have my guest, Courage Molina. Courage is a minister, an entrepreneur, a coach, and a dynamic speaker. She is the founder of Courage Molina Ministries, which is a movement of God to encourage and equip individuals to transform their lives. Through Courage University, she provides online Bible study courses for individuals wanting to become disciples of God's word. She encourages, her, she encourages believers to develop a habit of reading God's word through a 90-day Bible reading challenge. Courage Coach TV provides inspiration, motivation, and encouragement on demand for her subscribers. Her mission and ministry is to encourage, to inspire, and to equip individuals to live courageously as they embark on a journey of complete transformation. Her strategies are based on biblical principles and wisdom. This is in line with the vision God gave her that individuals of faith will seek answers in the word of God for every area of their life. She operates from belief that transparency ignites spiritual and personal growth, so we have to get real to get better. Understanding courage is an essential part of the growth and transformation process. She has adopted a courageous lifestyle and leads the way for others to follow. She is bold and on fire for God, her ability to communicate, a sense of urgency for change, and give her audience the courage to take action is awe-inspiring. So I feel like I could go on and on. You guys are gonna have to go <laughs> her. Uh, she has more to it. She also runs Mosaic Women Network, which stands for Making Our Souls Alive in Christ. Um, it's a global prep. It's a global platform for women entrepreneurs to share and create resources, collaborate with other faith-filled, success-minded um, women, and grow their business through connecting. She's obviously a serial entrepreneur uh, with several businesses leading in ministry. Um, you guys, her website is CourageMolina.org. <laughs> I definitely encourage you to take it out. That's going to be the word, word of the day. Um, but I always like to allow guests to say who they are because I feel like, you know, we all know that's, that's what we, you, you want people to get an in-depth of you, um, you know, online. And I feel like that's always forever changing as you change, you know, as you change right. and grow. And I just love so many different parts of that. But who are you? Just let us know who are you um, in your own words. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. First of all, let me say that. And that um, that bio sounds insane. First of all, <laughs> that is a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to write all these things for your bio for your website. But what it really all boils down to is that um, 
and I'm a woman of faith who believes that when people get ready to go after what they've been wanting, what they need, what they believe they can have, it's not easy. And sometimes people will give up along the way. So I just see my part in that journey as um, encouraging, right? Empowering and equipping them with strategies that are going to allow them to go through this process um, and to like achieve whatever their life goal is. So it sounds all fancy, but really at the end of the day, all I want to do is encourage and equip people with strategies to live a better life. That's it. I don't care who you are or what you're going through, what your situation is. Um, all I want to do is to encourage you and to equip you with strategies that are going to help you to live your best life. Yeah. And I love that so much because I feel like people feel like as a coach, you don't have problems. As a coach, you don't have trials. As a coach, <laughs> you do life, right? Just through life, people feel like, oh, well, when I get to this level, you know, then it won't, it won't be like this anymore. I grew up in my immediate family with poverty. So it was like, I heard a lot like, oh, well, if we had money, then this, this, yeah. like, and you just can't, you can never project you can never project how something is going to change who you are or the circumstance in life because it never works out that way. It's not, no. it's not an if then situation. No, you know, I love that you said, you know, you believe that people, um, you know, you have to seek wisdom. You have to seek wisdom. And to me, that's like the key to life because it's not about, it's like when they say adjust your sales right? How many of us yeah. know how to adjust our sails? Most of us just get blown over and our boats get taken under. And even if we are coaches and we happen to fall into that where we, our boats get blown over and we didn't adjust yeah. our sails and use wisdom, you know, the, the lesson of life is to keep learning and to keep growing, which right. I think you also talk about in your podcast with Sybil Amuti. I loved that podcast so much. Absolutely loved it. And the last time I had you on, we were on Instagram and we talked about um, the thing that was most, we talked about depression. And I think my audience resonated with that mostly. Um, just everything about that because we think, you know, depression looks different for so many people. How people handle it is very different. Um, I personally come from a family and from a household that was, uh, my mother suffered from depression. Um, I think she's definitely much better now, but when I look back to her as a kid, you know, I can see, I can see the signs of depression. I can see her hurt. I can see her pain. I can see just how she really handled it for herself, right? Some people right. handle it by taking medication. Some people handle it by seeking therapists. Some people handle it by ignoring that it exists. Some people look at it as like a lifelong death sentence, which I don't see yes. it like that. I don't, I don't see it like that. Cause when people talk about anything, I'm just like, y'all don't know God, like just get to right. know God and then come back to me because anything can be changed. Anything can be healed. You know, anything can be worked through. So I just want to talk about what depression had looked like for you and how you were handling it. Because even when you were telling me the story, I just was like, it's just a remarkable who we can become. Right. No, and it's like in our times of depression, you can't even project. You totally cannot see your future situation, and it could be totally yeah. 
360 if you work for it. Right. And I love, I, we're going to get up to that point, but I just want to know what did it look like? Um, what did depression look like for you? What did that look like for you and how did it manifest? Um, let's, let's talk about where it's like, where it probably started, right? So if you think of depression as like a seed, um, with the potential to grow and grow roots and grow strong and grow above ground and to also bear fruit, right? It doesn't have to be fruit that you like, but it also bears fruit. I think that sometimes, you know, we don't catch it. We don't know what it is until we got fruit dropping off the leaves all over the place. And now we're at the brink of disaster. So it started um, very early on, probably like my teenage years, where if things didn't go well for me or if, um, if I felt like I failed at something or whatever, there was just this little seed that was planted that I did realize at the time um, that I kept and I watered, but I did, right? So um, I got into a relationship, a serious relationship very early on, which is why for the record, I don't you know, encourage young kids to be dated. You should not be dated because you are not emotionally equipped to deal with it. But I started dating very, very early on and I got into a very serious relationship. And in that serious relationship, we had so many problems. We became teen parents really early. I was 15 when I got pregnant, and uh, that was the end of my ninth grade year. And so any fight that we had, any arguments that we had, anything that he said to me, uh, any name he called me, whatever, I took that seed and I kept it. And I planted that seed and I held on to it. And it hurt my feelings in the moment. Um, but I was young and I, listen, I was tossing my own seeds, you know, I was tossing my own insults at him or whatever, but I held on to mine, you know, I held on to every negative thing, to every doubt, and it started to change how I saw myself. I started to see myself as um, who I might have been in my worst moments. I started to see myself as that person or who somebody said I was in my worst moments or during the worst time of their life right so people are yelling cursing calling you names telling you you're not anything you know they are magnifying every doubt and every fear that you have that people don't even know about right because we all kind of have these uh issues with self-doubt from time to time where mm-hmm. am i worthy am i really adding value um am i loved do people want me around like we kind of deal with that a little bit am i enough am i qualified whatever and I kept that, I held on to that. And as life would have it, every single time I went through something difficult, instead of seeing it as an external problem, like this is just a situation, this does not define who I am, I allowed it to define me. And once you pick up all these little pieces of negativity and you water them and you nurture them, you don't expose them, you don't pull them out, you're not even telling people that you're thinking about that, that's where it began to take root in me. So I would say probably as well as like 15 or 16. I didn't realize that I was depressed. Now get this, okay? So I'm telling you that I can look back and say that my depression probably started at age like 15 or 16. I didn't know I was depressed until I wanted to kill myself at like age 27. Like that was the first time I was aware, like, holy crap, girl this, like, you might be depressed. You are thinking about suicide. But I didn't just wake up there. And it just, every single thing I ever went through, 
getting pregnant, uh, being cheated on, uh, not going to school, not being as successful as I wanted to be, uh, anything, people getting sick, finances, every single solitary thing that I ever went through was proof that I sucked as a human being. Mm. Right? Other people are going through stuff too. I'm not the only one in a negative relationship. I'm not the only person, you know, dealing with trying to raise kids. And I had three kids by the time I turned 21. I had three kids and we were married. Mm. That is a time. You are not emotionally equipped. And I didn't even realize I, I couldn't have been prepared for the life that I had created for myself. So then every single problem that I had was because I sucked as a human being. Um, then after all, my value was caught up in my marriage. So I was a good person and I deserved good things if my marriage was going well. But if my husband couldn't see value in me or if we were fighting or if whatever, then that was proof that I sucked as a human, that I didn't have value, that I didn't have worth. So I love what other people thought of me to define me. So if Ev doesn't think I'm good, then I'm not good, right? Never mind the fact that Ev might be going through something herself. She's got her own issues. She's got her own baggage. So even if I were a wonderfully shining diamond, she wouldn't be able to see the value in me because she can't see the value in herself. I didn't even have the wherewithal to consider that. All I knew is if you said I wasn't worthy, then I wasn't worthy. Um, then I went through this thing of grief. And so my self-worth, was already destroyed. Um, I've been cheated on. I don't know if, like, if, if anybody has been in a relationship, in a marriage where there's adultery. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That right there, I can't speak to a lot of things that you go through in life, but when I tell you that finding out the person that you love with every fiber of your being mm -hmm. that you have sacrificed for, when you find out that they have slept and given themselves, not only to somebody else, but that they, it's like, it's not just what they did, it's also like that they didn't care anything about you to say, I'm not gonna do it. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, when I tell you, that is one very swift way to destroy any bit of self-confidence, body confidence, worthiness that you have, because you immediately go to, I'm not enough, I'm not pretty enough, and I gained a ton of weight. When I started dating my husband, I was 125 pounds. By the time we were married, I was probably 197, 200 pounds. That's a ton of weight, mm -hmm. right? Um, so now, I'm not attractive, I'm ugly, I'm not worthy, like all of these things. And these are things that were kind of echoing in your head anyway, right? You were kind of unsure about them anyway. And then for you to realize, holy crap, I've been cheating on, you actually, and that doesn't speak about them in your mind. It just, it speaks about you, like you're not that hot, you're not a good person, you are not worthy of love, you're not worth the trouble that it takes to, um, stay committed. It's just, uh, it's you pretty much added it. it's like you added it to your bucket of like self, you know, not enoughness, you know, yes. okay, now I got one more thing to add to not enoughness. And, um, 
just a, I mean, I think adultery in itself, I do think everything that happens to you is for you. Luckily, when I experienced, I was old enough to have that wherewithal. Not to say I didn't have a good two weeks of ready to bust out some car windows and yes. some, do some crazy things in life. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I love that you said that because um, I look at things that happen to us as magnifying glasses. Right. And when you have more wisdom, you don't look at them with scrutiny. You look at them with what is there to learn from me? Yes. Instead of saying, you know, you were already in a space of not enoughness. So it was, it was like confirmation. Like, yes, you really just are not. You're really just not enough. Right. You're not enough. And just talk about how, you know, your mind starts to think about, you know, how you look your body the other woman they didn't care about you and yes. especially saying that feeling we have real feelings like that where we feel like i sacrificed my life for you you know mm -hmm. there's nothing more that we regret than wasted time because that's all right. we have right you know so it just it makes so much sense and i don't even think we had covered a part of this part but it's just i, I just want people out there to you know i know that some situations that we all have are different, but there's always a single fiber that connects all of our stories in some way to where you can listen to someone else and go, wow, I've done that same thing. I've allowed situations to define me. I've allowed what other people said about me to become true. Even if you know it's not true, if you hear yeah. it, you will believe yeah. it, right? If you hear yeah. it, and then it's, it's from someone you love. So it's wrapped in whether it's a parent, because parents, I have my mom, you know, I had a parent who was somewhat emotionally abusive and projecting her not enoughness and yes. worries and anxieties onto me. Um, so eventually you do believe it. Eventually you do take it in. And I loved how you, so you had, so you had gone through these experiences. So was this at the point where you were, um, you were pretty much like on the, if not like alcoholism? Not yet. Not yet, actually. I didn't start listen, I didn't start self-medicating okay. until um until I had been cheated on twice. Okay. Um until I believed that like somehow I believed that this was just it was never gonna get any better. Mm. This was just it. You know, because I held out for hope. I believed that things would get better. I believed that we would change. And um, I think, I don't even think I realized that I was, like, in an abusive relationship. And I contributed to it. So I think a lot of times people say, well, I was in an abusive relationship. Immediately that means that they were the sole victim. No, I was, I was in an abusive relationship. But unfortunately, so was my husband. And so on top of all the things that were done to me, so to speak, I also had the guilt of what I did to him. I also had the guilt of how I contributed to our home being abusive. And we had children, so that was like guilt on top of guilt. But the thing that like pushed me over, that just, it just pushed me right on over the edge, is that my cousin uh, was sick. And we were so close, we talked like every weekend actually, about absolutely nothing. But we talked like every weekend, we moved close our whole lives and when he got sick, um, he was diagnosed with cancer, bladder cancer. He was 33, and I just knew he was going to survive it. Uh, my life was falling apart. 
um, moved out of the house. I was my husband and my kids. My, you know, was renting a, a room from somebody, and it was like I was being sexually harassed at work. Um, it was just like everything was falling apart, and then this, and I just couldn't take it. I was like, I cannot take this. Like this is too much. Um, and so I just started drinking and drinking was great. You know, like people who don't drink anymore, they're like, Oh, drinking's horrible. Stop lying. It was so horrible. You never would have said it. Drinking was great. Okay. Because drinking allowed me to, um, escape all of everything that I had on top of me, all this anxiety, all this negative energy, like all of it, the drinking ushered me into the darkness, which at some point I started to welcome. Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have to fight you like when you are depressed and you are in that darkness it requires no active energy no it sucks the energy out of you but you don't have to spend any energy to do it it takes energy to forgive somebody it takes energy to get through your day to say that you're going to take on the world that you're going to deal with your problems it takes you spending and giving energy to do that Depression takes no energy. It's like slipping into an emotional and mental coma, right? Where you don't have to deal with everything. You can just drown in your grief and your sorrow. And and drinking alcohol, that was like, and that was like a first class ticket to the dark place. And I welcomed it. It is what I looked forward to. I drank so much. I drank everything. I drank the breakfast. I drank uh, just whatever I felt like. You know what? Even if I wasn't feeling bad, I'm like, well, I will be soon enough. So let me just cut it. Yeah. Excited. Um, I would drink until I was drunk. I would break the wine glass because, like, I would try to sit it down on the table. And so after breaking lots of wine glasses or, like, falling asleep with wine in the bed, I got a sippy cup. I was like, oh, here's a great idea. I have a problem. I keep wasting wine and breaking glasses. Wouldn't it be great if there was a thing that I could use that would allow me to drink? And even if I got drunk, I wouldn't have glass all over the place. And so got a sippy cup, which they have like toddler sippy cups. So you could get like an apple bottle of wine in the cup now. <laughs> and, you know, so I would just drink it. You're not trying this at home. Listen, I am not, I'm not condoning it. Don't do it. It's, um, you know, it prolongs the, the pain and the hurt that you have, but yeah. that's just like how far gone I was. And even in those moments, I still didn't realize, I still wasn't like, oh, I should get help or, oh, there's something wrong with me. Um, and once you start living in the dark place and looking for it and seeking it out, um, the dark place was a place of, of what seemed like peace. Yeah, and it becomes your normal. That really becomes your normal. And I think yeah. when it comes to psychology, I pretty much, it gave me air at the age of 15 because I was dealing with a psychotic home. I was dealing with a mother who had not been diagnosed with bipolar yet. Um, my father has bipolar. I mean, that was like really evident. He was just evidently with bipolar. Um, and once I started getting into psychology, um, it really when you, it helps you understand how the brain works. You know, so when you see these shows of people snapping, of people being serial killers, of people, like all the heinous things that anyone could ever do, when you realize a level of grief in your own life and where your mind can take you and what mm -hmm. you've for and what you've uh, played parts in, 
you don't, you know, I don't even question people that do heinous things because to me that's such, it's, it's, it's like how extreme, you know, there's light and there's darkness. So how extreme can you go to the other side? Right. Yeah. And depending on where you're at, depending on, you know, for you, it was like, we'll get to that part too. It was almost like you sought light even if it was right. a little glimmer that was coming through, shining through into your darkness, you sought, you, you were seeking it out, right? And I think a lot of times people don't seek it, but to me, it's just a revelation of how really dark the mind can get, how yeah. far it can get, how dark it can take you, and how it becomes your normal, you know? So yeah. I don't and you're not immune. Listen, and you are not immune to it. Yeah. We, like, you think, like, if somebody's listening to this right now, and they have not gone... To this dark place and they're just thinking they're like oh that won't happen to you that can't no baby it can't like no one is immune to it yeah. no one's immune to going to this deep dark place and i feel like that was part of the problem um first of all i was so young so what i mean i didn't even know what i didn't know but i think that as adults even right now where i am right now um i need to realize that even though I come out of depression, that I'm not immune to it. Yes. That it just takes a few special ingredients <laughs> and you will be, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you will be done. I don't know if you've ever seen this commercial. There's this commercial, it's open. That's an anti tobacco commercial. And it's like these people are singing, they got these cartoons, and they're like, it's the magical amount. Not enough to kill you, it's the magical amount. Just enough to make you hurt, you know. Just enough to make you think. And they're talking about all the poisons. It's the funniest thing you should do. But um, they're talking about all the poisons that are in cigarettes, and that it's this magical combination that makes it just right for people to get addicted, for it not to kill you right away, um, for it to make you sick, but for you to love it so much still that even when you are sick from it, you still want it. Depression is like that. Um, there are just these things, this magical combination, right, of things, of grief, of doubt, of stress, frustration, that will lead you down a place where you are depressed. And if you are not self-aware, you will be at the bottom of a hole before you know it. You'll be like, holy crap, how did I get here? And part of that is um, self-care, like before like in the meantime in between time so maybe life is great for you and maybe you don't really have a lot going on but are you taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally are you preparing yourself um, for the possibility that there's going to come a situation in your life that is going to have the ability to rock you to your core and if your core is not a strong one you you may not um, avoid depression you may not survive it right and so i think that's huge too like I never thought I could be depressed. I never thought that, um, I never thought that this man could hurt me as much as he did. I never thought that he would, or that he even could do it. Like I just thought, oh, well, life is just great. And as long as you do these things or those things, then you can pretty much avoid um, alcoholism or you can avoid drug addiction. Like people who do that, they made those choices. And, and you know, they kind of made, they made their own bit. They chose that life. Nobody choose a life of addiction, get a grip. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that it's what they chose to deal with whatever the pain in their heart was. Exactly. Um, they didn't have other strategies. They didn't know they were already emotionally or mentally um, weak. And you don't know how emotionally or mentally strong you are until you go through something that tests that strength. Right. And it's so, so you want, 
Can you hear this? No, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Well, it's funny because as soon as you were you started talking, so we're, um, I don't know if you guys heard the train in the back. I live close to a train, train tracks, but it's just, you know, when the, the way that psychology is nowadays is it's giving more proof to actually the unknown as well as allowing us to have a better understanding of the workings of things, right? If you understand, I mean, this is how great inventions are made. When you understand the workings of something, you get that light bulb where you're like, oh, not only can I make, you know, like think about the first computers, like, and, the, right. and then that led to now we have phones that are technically, you know, mini miniature computers. Right. So it's like, the, the thing with the train was studies and the way the brain is, is your brain develops train tracks that are steel, right? So you being, you know, sent into depression and it, anything that becomes normal to us, it becomes so addictive because your train, when your train gets triggered at that train station of stress, that train station of anxiety, that train station of fear, your train station's like, courage, <laughs> Evan, yes. this is where we're going to go. We're going to go down the road. We're going to go get us a drink. <laughs> yes. We're going to do this, and it becomes a habit. It becomes something that we're so used to. And then it's, it's just addictive because now it's triggering those happy hormones, right? So you yes. have this balance of depression, and but that makes me happy. And like you said, just being in that space of being sorry you know so sorrowful for yourself and to just bit self-loathing it feels good to be a victim and it feels good to be self-loathing because you're that's your coping mechanism that's right. the mechanism of defense of when things go wrong this is how i react and you know it doesn't require you like you said it takes energy to put in the work it takes energy to seek light <laughs> yeah. it takes energy to say i have a problem like I have a problem to look yourself in the mirror and to really um, make sense of it. Cause I know for you, I'm just, as you were talking about buying a sippy cup, I'm just like thinking of, I don't know why I thought of Burlington. I don't know if you guys have a Burlington. <laughs> we do, we do. I was just like picturing myself walking through Burlington, knowing I'm an alcoholic. Like I just like put myself in your shoes and was like, okay, me walking through Burlington, buying a sippy cup, knowing damn well I'm about to put some wine in it. Like yeah. I thought I'd be giggling while I'm buying it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I was like this is you didn't say I like it wasn't you know we all we always think you know it's kind of like forgiving yourself for what you didn't know you know like you, you looking back on it you have to laugh because it's yes. like you just in that moment you would think right that you thought that was the red flag the common sense is doesn't exist so let's just put that no. out there you know, you would think like, whoa, dude, I have a problem, right? You know, right. I grew up around this is, drug addiction. This know? is a clear red flag. My youngest kid is <laughs> was in like, you know, fourth grade and I'm actually purchasing a sippy cup. Like that should have been, it wasn't like, oh, I had younger kids. So that sippy cup was already around. And so it was just like an opportunity. Yeah. No. And you think that it would have been a red flag. Oh, but it was not. Yeah. It's just a solution. I was like, oh, look at me solving problems. Yeah. And I think it's you just know? revelation to the depth of the pain that we carry in life. And I think we are just blessed to be in a time such as now that there's so much work being done on speaking on it. There's so much work being done on yeah. healing. There's so much work being done on shine a light into the darkness. Right. You know, because I think just 
time and time ago and just you saying transparency as part of your bio saying transparency is the key to um you know like really unlocking your fullest potential because when you're transparent you don't feel the need to hide skeletons you don't feel the need portray yourself to be somebody else and you said this when we talked on Instagram you were like it was so draining yes. to pretend that my life was okay it was so draining to just hold that front right and I told people the other day I'm like listen people who are so perfect scare me because I know that they got skeletons out the yes, watch I'm watching you like mm -mm, girl <laughs> uh -uh. I and like, that. those are people that have like the psychotic breaks like i watch a lot of criminal minds like okay she was suburban and then yeah now she's got people tied up in her basement yeah, yeah, I wanted to do forensic science. I went to school for forensic science right after. I'm telling you, I was like hooked on psychology. I still am, which is why I do what I do. But um, I wanted to be a forensic scientist. And I remember we went over this one case. We had to study cases. And it was a case of a woman who got into an argument with her husband on the highway, her boyfriend. And she ran him over, ran him over. And his brain got stuck in a screw underneath the car. And I was like... I cannot do this job because if I go to work and there's babies and oven and chopped up people and heads blown off, like I don't think no, I don't think I, I wanna I understand where the mind can go, but I don't wanna see it every day. Firsthand, I'm with you. <laughs> Boy, I don't want to see yeah. it firsthand. Yeah, so I totally, you know, I think it's it's important that, you know, like you said, it's so important to um like you pointed out, it's it's a level of grief and it's a level of pain. And we, it has to exit somewhere. It has to find right. outlets. And we right. all cope in some ways with outlets. And um, so what for you, what, so what was that turning point of, okay, now you've got your sippy cup. <laughs> right. I think that even with all of that, as sad as things were, um, there are always fleeting moments of light, right? Where for just a second, you allow yourself to believe that it could be better, or for a minute, you allow yourself to admit that you want it to be better. And I think those are the things that you have to hold on to. And when you get that, so, okay, so I talk about depression, and like, when you're going through a depressive episode, you are not in your right mind, but you'll come out of it, right? Like, you come out of it, um, you realize that you're just going through something, and I, mean, I don't mean you come out of it for days at a time, I just mean, you have these moments of clarity. Imagine this brain and emotional fog that you have that leads you to believe that you suck as a human being. And then you have these moments where you're like, well, but I am, but I am kind of good at this. And you got this one thing or it's possible that the sun is still shining. And I think in those moments, you have to grasp onto something and say, and just make this commitment. And so that's all it was for me. There was just a fleeting moment of light where I admitted to myself that I wanted better. And even though I wasn't sure if better was available for me, I knew that there were people in the world who had gone through things, lost loved ones, uh, married, divorced, buried children, like all these things, and they had come out on the other side. Even though if I, I didn't know if I was gonna be with those people, I knew it was possible for people in the world. And I allowed myself to admit that I wanted a better life even if you know maybe I would never get it and so in those moments um I was invited to this church elevation which I googled and um everybody said it was a cult and I was like, Ooh. 
I can't be over here. I can't go from one line of crazy to another line of crazy. Um, but I went because my friend invited me and I trusted her. So I went to this church and the sermon, the word he gave was just so amazing. Shout out to Pastor Stephen Furtick. Um, the word he gave was just so amazing. It was just, it was very simple, right? The whole purpose of his sermon was to remind us people of faith that sometimes this life with God can be disappointing. Mm-hmm. And that was just something that I knew because I experienced it. You know, obviously I'd experienced loss and I'd experienced pain um, and disappointment. But the idea that it didn't change the possibilities for my life, that it didn't change um, who God was just because I was disappointed or just because I went through this difficult thing. It was just, it was just one thing for me to hold on to. And that might not be the thing for you, but I feel like when you have those sweeting moments, there will be something, some little bit of truth that you can hold on to because everything in this world wants you to live. Okay. Every good thing in this world wants you to live. There's a part of you that's on the inside, your emotional, your mental being, your body wants to live. Even when you are drinking poison, your body is fighting for its own life. It is throwing it up. Right. Even when you eat something that you don't know, right. Like everything in you is like fighting to, to survive. And so there is a creator who has created you for life. Right. And so there are things that he set in place for you to live. Right. And if you grab on to whatever small sliver of light and life that you see and hold on to it until you see another piece of light that you can then hold on to until you can see another piece of light that you can then hold on to. That's what's going to pull you up out of the depths of this like dark pit of tar and despair that has become your life that there's just a small little thing. I mean, if you hold on to it for dear life and the more you hold on, it's just like the more strength that you get from it. And that's what happened to me. My small thing happened to be my faith in God, Um, my faith in who he is, not in anything else. I didn't have faith in anything else. I didn't even know, I didn't have faith that I would be okay, but I had faith in God and his ability to make a change in my life. And I held on to that thing and I sought and fought for it and I chased after it because my life depended on it. Not like my life depended on it because I knew I was ready to die. So I, I fought for that light because my life depended on it. And so it took me to this extreme place, right? I was already in this extreme darkness. Um, it pushed me into a place where where other people of faith are reading their Bibles for five minutes, which is fine. I was on life support, right? Like on this emotional and mental life support. So I didn't have the luxury of getting five minutes. Um, I gave 10% of every single day that I was alive and above ground. I gave 10% of that time to God. Two hours and 24 minutes. And when you tell people that, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so extreme. No, extreme is drinking wine from a sippy cup. Mm-hmm. Extreme is wanting to take your own life, wanting to be buried, right? That is extreme. Mm-hmm. And so if you are extremely emotionally and mentally sick, you should expect that the healing 
process and that the prescription that is going to be required for you to come out of it should be just as extreme, right? So surgery is not required for a stump toe. Why? Because your injury is not that deep, right? But when you have infection in your body that is spreading and it's about to take your life, then the medicine and the healing process that is prescribed is one that is going to be invasive and extreme. Somebody's gonna put you to sleep, somebody's gonna cut you open. They may even be removing parts from your body. Like I think that we have to see our emotional health and healing the same way that we see our physical. It is gonna be in direct proportion to how sick you are. Yeah, that's a great right? analogy. That's such a great analogy. Talking about so, and getting cut open and you know that's how it And the pain of it, right? It's a painful like I, so I had surgery in 2013. Um, so this might be overshared, but I'm sharing with so uh, <laughs> I had it in 2013. Um, but I had but the pain and uh the physical illness was so severe that this is what I had to do. Now, listen, I went to the doctor, right? I went to someone who knew more about it than I did, and he said, Okay, we're gonna have to do this, we're gonna put you to sleep, um, we're gonna cut you open. We're going to remove this part. And after it's over, even though the bad part is going to be out, when I woke up, I was still in pain. Mm -hmm. And I actually woke up before, um, I actually woke up before they could get me connected to pain medicine. So I was like screaming because I could feel that I, like I could feel what had just been done. Mm -hmm. So actually, uh, I didn't have like a great experience, but I, I feel all that to say this, that even though he told me about the pain that I've experienced, even though he told me that my movement would be limited, that um, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I did while I was sick, um, but I needed to take this time out to heal and that it would require me to rest more and to care for myself more um, before I would feel better. I think that sometimes we run from that when it comes to emotional and mental health. Right, but we don't. When it comes to physical, we just accept it as a part of the process. Like, oh, I have an infection. I need to have my tonsils removed, my appendix removed. It's gonna feel worse before it gets better, and we stay committed to that process. We have to take that same attitude when it comes to our emotional and mental health. That the healing process—it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be uncomfortable. It means I'm not gonna be able to move the way that I did even when I was sick. So my movement during my healing process was restricted more so than it was when I was sick. When I was sick and I was down and out, I could go out, I could hang out, I could do whatever. I was out there living my life, hanging out, seeing whoever I wanted to see, go wherever I wanted to go. But when it came time to heal, right, from this mentally and emotionally sick place, I couldn't go out the way I did. I had to take time to take care of me, and it was painful, and I felt isolated. But guess what? I was isolated when I had surgery. I was at that house for six weeks, sleeping on the dang on couch because my bed was too hot for me to get in it. Couldn't go to work, couldn't go hang out. My movement was completely restricted, but I welcomed that because I believed that healing was on the side, or I knew that the process was gonna work. And we have to have that same commitment to our emotional and mental healing. Realizing that it's not going to be a cakewalk. And the first time that you try meditation, 
does not mean that tomorrow, right, you're not going to have any stress, you're not going to have any sadness or any mm-hmm. anger. Like, get angry. This is, yeah. you know, this is a new yeah. life for you. Yeah. So, I love that. I I so love that you said that. And I hope that everyone listening to this understands that this is a process throughout life. You don't come back. You don't go through things that are like, maybe at that time seem the worst for that point in life. I mean, I think I've definitely had bad things happen to me. And there's, you know, there's a way that we rate them. We're like, all right, you're number one. Right. (laughs) You are definitely at the top, you know, it, it doesn't serve us because at the end of the day, just like we talked about in the very beginning, when you pull wisdom, that wisdom becomes part of your core. That wisdom becomes part of your strength, right? If you pull the wisdom, if you pull the wisdom and understanding from it, that doesn't mean you're not going to get hit with something that takes place of that number one. Right. Right. That means you have more wisdom, more knowledge, more, a little bit more oomph in your core, right? Like thick skin to experience that in a way where you're doing what you did in that hospital where you know healing is on the other side and you're just in the process right now and you're welcoming it and you're doing the work and you're seeking light and you're seeking to take that pain and exert it in a way that's not going back to alcoholism or getting a sippy cup because you you're already familiar with that you know how to do that right Um, everybody has their different way i think we judge other people's ways of sinning quote unquote, Um, you know, where it's like, well, you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, you shop too much. There's women who shop to to ease the pain, right? There's people who, um, you know, gossip. gossip. There's people who, right, they love to gossip. They love to be in other people's stuff so they don't have to self-reflect. And I think the most uncomfortable thing with meditation, the most uncomfortable thing with healing, the most uncomfortable thing with taking that time that me time is the process and the unknown like okay meditated like what am i supposed to be doing like am i supposed to be like am i supposed to be like levitating am i supposed to have a vision of god am i supposed to have this major internal breakthrough that i feel and i feel free and it's like it's a process of like you said you kept saying like you know you get a glimpse of light and then you grab hold of the next thing and you keep grabbing hold of the next thing and you find what works. I mean, you've just met, just talking about meditation, my journey of meditation, and just even what I try to provide to other people is me cutting out all the mess that I had to go through to get to a point where I'm like, this could work for me for the rest of my life. Cause I had to experience all the ways of meditation that didn't work for me. That made me feel like, what am I doing? I don't like this person's voice. I'm not really <laughs> afraid and like scared. And I know they're saying it's supposed to be healing, but I don't feel healed. I feel like really afraid, like to close my eyes. You know? So um, I, I love the way that you put it. And it's so beautiful. The way, the, the way that we think about things in life and we're so, um, what's the word? Like we can, we can apply a theory, a piece of knowledge to one, one situation, but then when a different situation happens, you go up, well, it just doesn't apply to that. Right. Right. It doesn't apply to that. That's just, no, we're not talking about that. It's like when it comes to healing and being able to recognize that everything that happens to you is for you, that's where wisdom comes in for me. Yes. Where it's like, you could sit there and you could blame, you could sit there and say, my husband did this, my husband did that. Um, whatever people, whatever your story you're painting inside your mind, whatever story yeah. is for why you're where you're at or why your life is the way it is, 
it has to reverse to how did I contribute to this? Right. And let me tell you this, I didn't get there quickly. So, you know, I wrote, I wrote this book and, and even in the process of, of writing the book, talking about how I overcame depression, I still hadn't conquered it. I, I wasn't free from it. I was just like, um, I was no longer there and I could manage it. Right. So I didn't go down to the lowest of the lows, but I would have these moments and I'd be like, okay, I know what this is. I'm not going to go overboard, like whatever. And I never really saw myself as coming free from it. It's like you said, you know, I felt like, oh, I was a person who had dealt with depression. That is something I would have for my entire life. Well, uh, just a few months ago, I remember like getting a glimpse of that dark, dark place again, like seeing it and thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm seeing this super dark place in my mind again. I thought that I would never see it again, even though I was managing it. And I wrote this letter. I'm just like writing. I'm trying to get these things out of me. And I had to apologize to my husband. I'm like, you know what? Because I, I still hadn't done the work. Like, I, listen, I got into a good place, but I wasn't at a free place. I thought I was free. It's just that my chain was a little bit longer. I could deal with more. I could put up with more. And it didn't go as deep. But I had to apologize to him. And I was like, you know, I actually blame you for my depression. And I blame you for for feeling like I feel and I blame you for not for feeling hopeless and I blame you for you know wanting to kill myself like even though I never said those words to him before I realized in that moment that that is truly how I felt and the minute that I got that it was like why do you feel this way why why are you giving him so much power and I realized that it wasn't about anything else it wasn't about my situation it wasn't about the grief. It wasn't about my marriage, my weight, my finances. It was about me absolutely, and how I saw myself and the things that I used to give value to who I am as a person, mm-hmm. right? Because difficult times in life are going to happen. People are going to disappoint you. People who are supposed to love and protect you, they're going to miss the mark one day. Mm-hmm. They're going to drop the ball because they're not perfect. And when that happens, they may be the cause for your hurt, but how you internalize that hurt and allow it to plant seed, that is a, it's your own doing. Um, and once I realized that, I was like, so you mean to tell me like, <laughs> I have control over this? Like I literally have control over what I think and what I like, hmm, imagine that. And so that's where I think like, the meditation comes in, which I never wanted to meditate before. I'm like, I've got time to be sitting here doing nothing. When I got a list of things to do, <laughs> I got a list of something. And meditation at that time in my mind was like doing nothing. Um, it's also an uncomfortable place in the beginning, especially if you're going to do the mind and the heart work. Um, it really reveals places where you have let yourself down, where you have caused harm to yourself and um, being faced with the fact that some of the wounds that you need healing from are wounds of your own doing, that's a bit like you have to get very vulnerable. That is a very scary and tender place to be. And when you're just trying to like move on, that's what you think, like you just want to move on. You don't want to deal with it. It's like, 
you have a splinter that's deep down in there and meditation is the hard work of looking deep and going deep until you get to that splinter and truth be told you want to just patch that thing up and limp right <laughs> like limping is still walking ebony if i don't meditate i'm still living i'm still out here my life is pretty good i'm just going to ignore the small amount of pain um but realizing that when life brings a bump in the road and it hits that tender spot you're going to experience even more pain because you never did the deep work and meditation this is why i love you this is why i need a shirt that says i love it <laughs> like i need a i need a t-shirt with your face on it because this is something that you've helped me to realize that Listen, meditation is like, this is what I'm going to say. You can steal this if you think it's good. You can. <laughs> you can. Meditation, I realize, is like the multivitamin of mental and emotional health. Yeah. Right? Um, I love that. I'm stealing it. <laughs> you can have it. You can have no. it. You can have it. It's something that you need to take every day, whether you're sick or not. Yeah. Right? Um, it's something that you need to take every day, even when things are going well. You don't take a multivitamin when you have the flu. It's something you've been taking the whole time so that when you're exposed to a virus that wants to take you out, you're mentally and emotionally as healthy as you can be so that you can, you know, work through it without ending up in the hospital. Right? Um, it's one of those multivitamins that you can double up on. Um, triple up on, take a couple times a day when you realize you're going through a difficult season, like, okay, this is cold and flu season, so I'm doubling up on my vitamin C. I'm not taking my regular amount of vitamin C. I'm increasing the amount of vitamins that I get, or I realize I'm about to go through this triathlon, and so while maybe taking my multivitamin once a day is good for my regular life, I'm about to go through something that's going to require a little bit more mental and emotional stability my day-to-day -day life so i might need to spend a little more time with meditation so i think if you see it that way then you're not surprised when you get the flu and you end up in the emergency room because you realize well dang it i haven't really been taking my multivitamins and i really been drinking my water so it makes sense that this small thing is taking me out because i haven't been doing you know the care and i think that um i thank god for you i really do because i'm hard-headed not stubborn. We all are. <laughs> and so it really like you just opened it up in a way where I'm like, yes, it's like a multivitamin. Duh! Like I used to be doing this every day. And so I'm so um I'm so grateful for you. Like I really truly am because girl, you open my eyes. I love that. And it's honestly, it's so for me, it became you know, I, I had to go through that period of questioning it. Why am I doing this? But like you said, it, it, it becomes this highlight, right? Because it's when you close your eyes, other than going to sleep, when you go to sleep, you have dreams that are unexplainable. You have dreams that you dream of people you don't know, dream of people you do know. You dream of stuff that you're actually going through where you feel like you didn't even go to sleep. Yes. Right? You're like still in your day, but you're asleep or you're worried yes. about a certain thing and you're dreaming about it and whatever may have you. And dreams are just that 
also part of that spiritual world that's just unsettled oh, yeah. when we're free. When we're free, we're just our mind is able to roam where it where it shall roam, even if it's a scary ass place. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, being able to be consistent with it and really cling to it. I was able to see my shift. I was able to see, like, I went from the leader who was Corella DeVille, who, yeah, you you might have kind of liked working at me because we win. We were winning. We were, I, wherever I were, we were a winning team. But I didn't know how to talk to people. You know, you have, I didn't know how to talk to people in a way that was kind. I believed, like many leaders believe, you know, you, you, you rule with an iron fist, right? And you rule like this and you just, you just, you're, you're, you're the one in control. So you have to be controlling, right? right. I was able to see my shift and to go from being that type of leader to being an effective leader where I could fire you. And I swear to God, we're high-fiving. Like, you know what I mean? And that to yeah. me, those were little wins within me or really saying to myself, you know what, as a parent, I'm not proud of myself. I'm not proud that my kids spill milk and I hit the roof. I'm not proud that, you know, I just, I, I always felt on edge, right? Which is part of me picking up my mother's anxiety, taking me back to, you know, things take you back to memories. And until you piece them together, you can't diagnose the problem. Right. Right. And I was able to diagnose myself and say, all right, so you, you're basically you become your mother, which is that makes you feel some way. You know, God forbid someone's like, you're just like your mother. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, that's like the thing you don't want to say to me. Right. But I'm over that because now I laugh because I know I have tendencies like her that are actually really good. Like she's she can be her. But I picked up things that I value and that make me laugh or it signals like, OK, I still have room to grow. So I love that you considered it a multivitamin. It's probably the most, the best breakdown I've ever heard of it. <laughs> it's not something that you can just, like you said, do when you only feel like you're sick, you know, and the mind, body, spirit realm. I think the more the time goes on and that more of us embrace the magnitude of the spirit, the ma like we understand it, but we don't understand it to the depth of like, when they say we're made in the image of God, we understand it, but we don't. We really no. don't because we no. would be levitating and flying and doing all kind of crazy stuff. Yes. <laughs> like, we yes. would have a better understanding of the power, but we don't. And um, for me, it's that when you go internal, when you close your eyes and you're sitting there and you go internal, you start to see things in a very different breath. You start to recognize your train tracks. You start to build new train tracks and say, you know yes. what? I don't like that station anymore and although i know that station is still there i still have a station of depression right but that station is like two seconds away from being knocked down because i don't feel good when i'm there because i built myself up your core is getting so strong that your core is like i can't support this station anymore i can't support it it's not of me i it doesn't belong here right. and i'm here to serve you and i can't serve you if that's here you know, so it's just, it's such an amazing tool. And I love that you just promote me. <laughs> Get your meditation on because it just, honestly, and I was even called last year to be like, God was like, do, do meditations with people. Cause I was just holding it to myself. I was talking about mindset. I was talking about healing, but part of healing and mindset that I know for me helped me and continues to help me fight the internal battles of within those internal voices that can lead to those dark spaces that you're very familiar with <laughs> yes, yes. Um, 
um, I was like, I have to share meditation. And then just getting into energy meditation was like an elevation for me because you have, we don't, science is proving that we do get sick because it's aura. It's an aura level that manifests into our being. And it's not shocking that you might get heart disease because you have a broken heart. Right. right. And we will, I mean, 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, there's going to be people that actually practice this, you know, and are in yes. thing. And there are doctors that do practice this. And I think the more people, the more we accept it and we say, okay, it, it, before you get sick, you won't get sick. I rarely get sick. And when I have a little cold, I know that I'm not taking care of myself. And we talked about right. it when you said self-care, but opposed to self-medicating, avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it, or even just avoiding that, we know when we're off. Right. You know when you're just like, I feel off. Like, I feel like nothing can make me happy. Yes, do I laugh throughout my day? Yes, do I have great times? Yes, do I just act like Ebony's still? Yes, but internally, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like... I just don't have a purpose. I don't feel happy. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel true joy. I feel right. I feel conditional joy, which is like when I go shopping, I feel joy. When I get a couple of drinks in my system, I feel joy. Yes, and I get coffee, I feel exactly. joy. Right. Exactly, so there's these momentary things, and I think that's right. why, you know, and it's a blessing that you realize that at 27 and not 57. Right. To, and I think that's why generations before us learned so slow of their own darkness and being depressed. And I watched my grandfather die with regret, where he wanted to forgive on his deathbed. And to see that, it's like we have to wake up in our own sorrow and take responsibility. And I can see why for you it was such an elongated process of unawareness, because you had moments of joy. You had children you had to care to. Yes. A husband that I'm sure, obviously, you guys were together. We all, I'm sure the vitamin D was working for you. Yes. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, it was. Exactly. So it's kind of like you can see how the same way you said grab onto pieces of light, those were pieces yeah. of light that got you right. to 27, that got you right. to, okay, this, I don't even care about these little pieces of light anymore. Like, yeah, right. And that's when you know. And it's like people think you can't get to that space of people always say, how could they not care about their kids? And how could they not, girl? You don't even know. Yes. yes. And the darkness is yes. real. Yes. So thank you so much for that. And just thank you for everything that you share. And I want to remind people that, like I said in the beginning, just because you are enlightened, just we'll put quotes around that just because you have gained wisdom just because you have learned just because you have changed just because you know you take yourself to different levels within your mindset and you can look back at the past and say wow i can't believe i did that doesn't mean you're still not going to encounter trials that test that wisdom right that test that like your strength and you know are coming to you to pull out another greater level of yourself Yes, I agree. That was one thing I learned where I'm like, you know, ex talk about experiencing infidelity. When that hit me, I feel like I was already running a brand. So I was thinking, how can I tell women to and be empowered? But here I am dealing with this, right? I'm like, yes. it like it has something to do with me more than like, hey, how am I going to use this to market? <laughs> 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 New course, guys. <laughs> Yes, right. Yeah. About me, what are what are things that are being animated within me that show me that I am not healed? 
that show me I need to love myself a little bit more, that show me I need to be whole alone, that I need to be whole. Even if I choose to be with them, I need to be whole alone. And I need to reach a point where I'm not tied to him making me happy. I'm not tied to the time I've spent with him. I'm not tied to the fact that we have kids. I'm not tied to all this idealistic stuff around me that I break down when that breaks down, like you talked about, right? When yeah. those things break down, you break down with it. Yes, <laughs> I was all the way down. Yes, they're not working. It's like things that happen in the world. People do with things that happen in the world. The world's breaking down. Everybody else is breaking down. I'm like, I ain't got time for this. Like God is way right. too good. And I've seen way too much darkness similar to you to allow it to become my standard, to allow it to become the thing that I will focus on. Right. You know, so... I just love you. I, know you I love you. I do. I do. I love you so much. And I love, you know, just where you're going and your growth and, um, you know, being able to release a book to put your, tra- be transparent, you know, be transparent. Oh, yeah. And you've said so many important things about the more about life and the more that I learn, I feel like books that we'll write, cause you're going to write many more books, honey. Yes, I, I, <laughs> In the beginning, I was like, no, this is it. But now yeah. I'm like, oh, no, I got another one. You got, you got lots yeah. of books in um, Many of us do. Um, you know, no matter what we create, no matter, you know, the speaking things that you do, the coaching that you do, uh, everything that you do, I think life is really the manifestation of us proving to ourselves our fullest potential, us proving right. where we can go, us proving um, the, the simple proof that we're here to create. Right. Transparency allows you to create from your mess. It allows you to share it. And as afraid as we are of it, I just believe that even in the imperfection of whatever you put out there, you are unlocking the keys and freedom to somebody else who's going to be reading that book in that same space, two steps away from buying a sip cup if they haven't. Right. 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 <laughs> Maybe right. they got more sophisticated than you and they're like, girl, yes. I mean, I met a guy who used to come to this class I was in. I think I can't remember what he had, but he spilled it one day and I always thought he smelled like liquor and he spilled it one day and I was like, I knew that was beer in there. Why <laughs> not to be all sniffy with my nose because I have a really good nose, but I knew it. <laughs> he acted pretty sober and he was funny and he was charismatic and he was, a, he was an amazing guy, you know, but it's like somebody's going to pick up your book. So many people will pick it up and find their own light and that'll be the light that they get to grasp on. And that's the beauty that I love about life because when we do choose light, it's not for you, right? It's for you, but it's, it's so that when someone else comes to you in pain, when someone else comes to you, like your mission this morning, when those things happen, you're in a space of, even if you have your own darkness happening, which is also a revolving door in our lives you can give back because you can match that space with the light you've gained from being in that space yourself right and i love that it's just an infinity of like choose light because you're get you're going to be able to pour that into somebody else you're going to be able to give that to somebody else opposed to giving really bad advice right are you an alcoholic you an alcoholic till you get you a sippy cup right right (laughs) sippy cups i know brandon no (laughs) you're able to really give back and and pour into other people and that's the blessing i see in just choosing light and choosing to not be a victim and just continuing choosing to live to live courageous and just say i'm not going to be defeated by my circumstances because we all know that feels really easy to do you know 
and the last thing you want really seeing my grandfather die and want to he wanted he wanted to call everybody and say sorry and that was probably the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever seen in my life because some people were open to it and other people were like nope in my mind I'm like damn I wonder how he really went out like I wonder what was on his mind as he took his last breath you know, and I, I was like, I could never, I'll never not say what I have to say. And I'll never not be who I need to be on this earth because I want to at least die with a smile and just like happy, right. you know, like in meditation of like, okay, like this is a good life. Even if I'm still young, even if I'm whatever the circumstance, I want to be able to feel like it was well, well lived and, you know, right. I, at least what I could while here. So I just thank you so much for living in courage. You know, just becoming and still becoming who you are. And I know I'm on this journey with you. So yes, for- we are on this journey together. Yes, this is Soul Chat. And the reason why I called it that is because the spiritual part of who we are needs to be spoken to. Amen. <laughs> you know, you can speak to your mindset. We can speak to your theory of who you think God is. And, you know, but there's so much spiritualness that has to happen in the shift of who we are. And I think the more we all have these conversations, you're able to grow. I'm able to grow. Listeners are able to grow. So I just want to thank you for that. So just tell us what you have going on. I know you just released the book. So tell us about the book, how we find you and just what you have going on and how we can support you. Yes, so I uh, did just release a book, which I absolutely love, Power Principles, Courageous Living. You can find it on the website, couragemolina.com. Um, definitely check the events or the calendar there because I'm doing like a book tour and I'll be doing some workshops and things. Uh, it is an international book tour, so the information for that will definitely be on the website. Um, hit me up on Instagram, Courage Molina, and listen. So what I do for women, I've started to do for students as well. I want you guys to go to the struggleexchange.org and there is a pledge there to live better now. Um, that pledge has some great affirmations, actually, which I can't believe I didn't think of that before we got on. Uh, but the pledge is really a pledge of saying, like, I will ask for help when I need it. I will have fun. I will relax. I will love myself. And I will respect my body. So... Um, go to that website, take the pledge, it's free. It's just you making a commitment to yourself to start living better today. Not when your situation changes, not when you get married, not when you get divorced, not when you have kids, not when your kids move out, whatever it is you're waiting on, you are making the commitment to start living better right now. Whatever you can do to make it a little bit better for you today that you're going to do it because you deserve love and you are love and you are worthy um, there is light in you and there is peace for you. So um, definitely connect with me through that. And um, I think that's it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And for everybody else listening, you guys know where you can find me at Queens Recognized Queens on Instagram as well as Facebook. And just look out for the, more of these podcast episodes and more powerful people bringing you amazing tools and stories to help you also unlock your fullest potential. Thank you so much, Courage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Soul Chat with your host, Ebony Tatora. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, leave a review, and if you love it, share it with your friends. 
and make sure you join us next week for another conversation with your soul, bringing you thought-provoking conversations that require you to look a little bit deeper than the surface. Hey queen, have you sat on the sidelines hesitating to move on your dreams in a powerful way? Well, if this is you, please make sure you join me at the table for the Moving On Your Visions Power Brunch in New York City. Other than some extreme motivation, empowerment, and me encouraging you to move on your visions in a more powerful way, let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get an amazing catered brunch, mimosas. There's no brunch without mimosas. All the materials to create your vision board. We're going to do an amazing meditation session and a seat at the table for the Mind Slay panel. A workbook to create your personalized roadmap to slaying your goals. And of course, if you're in the building with me, there are always good vibes and high fives. But listen, today is Black Friday, so make sure you purchase the buy one, get one free ticket. Bring a bestie, bring your auntie, bring your associates, bring your business friends, bring your best friend, bring your grandma if she needs a little bit more motivation. But I want you to remember... If you were to ask yourself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to be doing what I'm doing? Ask yourself that question. And if you can honestly say yes, then you don't need this brunch. But if you can say no and you have not been moving on your visions as much as you should in a powerful way, because you're a powerful queen, then make sure you join me December 9th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m at New York City. I cannot wait to see you.